Welcome to Future So Bright, the podcast from Class 101 Franklin, where we illuminate the college admissions experience. I'm your host, Sean, and before I was a college student, I was a Class 101 Franklin student who was trying to find my own way through the college admissions process. This week, we're talking with Class 101 Franklin College planners Karen Beamster and Jean Fain about the five letters that strike fear into the hearts of parents everywhere who have students applying to college. F-A-F-S-A, the FAFSA. What is the FAFSA? FAFSA stands for Free Application for Federal Student Aid, and it's a process that is established to identify who qualifies and and are eligible for federal funds such as the Pell Grant and other federal support that is given to families so that their children can attend college. We encourage our families to complete the FAFSA each year when it opens on October 1st, um, because in the state of Tennessee, it is also the application for the HOPE Scholarship and the Tennessee Promise of It Scholarship. So with the HOPE Scholarship and the Tennessee Promise, while those are not need-based awards, the FAFSA is the form that is used to claim that money for those students. I think it's also important to point out that FAFSA can also be used for trade schools. So if you have a cosmetology school or anything like that, they will accept FAFSA at those types of schools as well. And how it works is after a family has completed this information, using the tax return actually the year prior to the start of the senior year, then a number called the expected family contribution is created. Now, this is going to go through some changes this year, and we're all kind of waiting to see what that's going to look like. But in past years, you would take the total cost of a, of a college, and you would subtract that expected family contribution, which is the EFC number, and whatever money is left over is considered need. And that's where the misconception lies in that many families that are comfortable, they feel like we are not a need-based family, so we aren't going to get any monies from this, so why should we even complete it? And they could have some schools where they will be very surprised that they actually do qualify for some money. It also lets other schools that maybe don't give as much in merit scholarship, but they also give grant scholarship. It gives them a metric in which they can determine how to distribute that grant money. So another interesting point about the EFC, the expected family contribution, is oftentimes that number comes out and you get that number immediately after you submit your FAFSA. It comes back to you in an immediate response. And with that wording, expected family contribution, and if they see their number is 7246, which means 7,246, families automatically say, I'm so excited. Does that mean I only have to pay that much for college? No, that is a misconception. That EFC number is establishing where you fall and at a certain level and below, you are able to qualify for the federal aid such as Pell Grants and and other items. Because of that confusion, uh, they're actually moving over to referring to it going forward as a student aid index. And that makes so much more sense. I'm kind of excited to see what those changes are because that's been the form that, as Sean mentioned, strikes fear in most parents as they have to complete those. They're so Mm -hmm. afraid that they're going to make a mistake. And we have found probably 95% of people that file the FAFSA make a mistake. 
Mm-hmm. And so we just want to guide them through this process and take the fear out of it and make right. it, get it done. And let me touch on that because the fear of making mistakes, it's very fixable. After you complete the FAFSA, it's not an issue to go back in and correct the FAFSA. And it may take, you know, a week or so for it to register, but it is okay to fix something if you are worried that you reported something inaccurately or forgot to put something that could help your case or what have you. So what happens if I don't complete the FAFSA? I am so glad you asked this question because I have seen this in action. So oftentimes families will say, I won't qualify for anything. I'm not even going to bother. Our recommendation is everybody completes the FAFSA. If you don't complete it, we just want a recognition that you have decided not to do it. And everybody signed off on that. There have been instances where a family um, maybe didn't submit this FAFSA and the specific school they were applying to requires it for any scholarships. So take this example. I had a student with a 36 ACT, a 1520 SAT score, national merit finalist, you know, was on the path to go to Purdue and he got zero scholarships. He had everything, their excellent resume, everything. How is that possible? Well, it's possible because they did not submit the FAFSA. So do not make that mistake of ever leaving money on the table. Better to do it and err on the side of caution. There are also some other letters that come up sometimes in this process. So what is the CSS profile and when do families need to complete it? The CSS profile is the College Scholarship Search Profile and you can find that on the College Board website. And it is a form um, a little bit longer than the FAFSA, about 19 pages, that a lot of private schools will use. There are a few public schools that also utilize it to gather more information. Those schools in general will have additional scholarships that maybe come from endowments or grants, and they're going to use that information to determine how to distribute those funds. As our senior families are getting ready for application season and these important financial aid documents, we're going to meet with the family over the summer and make sure that we know and understand the family budget. And then we're also going to give them a list of documents that they're going to need in order to complete these forms and also let them know what those deadlines for those forms are as soon as we know it. We also offered a webinar last year in September to educate our parents even more and we're hoping to do that again this year so that everybody is prepared when these forms open. Preparing our senior families for the start of application, we're going to be meeting with those families over the summer and reviewing the college list and helping them talk through the expected cost of these different schools and start thinking about what kind of budget do they want to set for the cost of college. And those conversations are very important so that there are no surprises in the spring when we start getting admissions decisions. And it's really important to make sure the family is aligned on expectations and goals. Oftentimes, there's a bump in the road if a parent hasn't communicated to a child, I expect you to work or I expect you to help pay for a portion or vice versa. There's a a misconception from the child's perspective and what they believe their parents are going to do. So this is a great time to start teaching that life skill about here's the expectation, here's your part in it, 
and here's what we can afford and here's what we can do. Everybody gets caught up in the excitement of wearing that t-shirt or that sweatshirt and on reveal day um, and, and it's there's much more to it. I mean, there is a huge impact financially. Thanks for listening to Future So Bright. We hope you'll subscribe and tell a friend about us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at, at class 101 Franklin TN. And if you're in our area, we'd love to talk with you one-on-one about how Class 101 can work with your family and student to plan for college. With about 50 Class 101 locations nationwide, you can go to class101.com to find a location with experienced college planners near you.